When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. all went into this field because you love paperwork, right? You just love paperwork. Because as a special education teacher, the paperwork struggle is real. And I get it. And that was obviously me being sarcastic. I know none of you went into this field because you love the paperwork. But it's a necessary part of our job. And when you are on what seems like the 80th IEP of the year, It is super challenging to create goals that are meaningful and make sense and are even good, much less great. So how can we tackle that 80th IEP in a way that isn't going to overwhelm us, but we can still create great IEP goals? Today, we're going to talk about five tips for writing great IEP goals. And I think this is hugely important not because I love paperwork, but because when you start the foundation of your child's education with really strong and solid IEP goals, it makes all the other building blocks that you put on top a lot easier to put there because you have a plan. That's really what the IEP is. I mean, literally, the the word plan is in there. But we forget that. The IEP goals, if written well, and if they make sense, and if they're meaningful, is going to help create that clear path for where you want your student to go. 
And when we create goals that maybe don't make sense or the mastery criteria is all over the place or the concepts weren't really dead on and this really wasn't a good fit for this student, it's going to be a struggle to have that path because now we're on a path that isn't really going anywhere. So let's go over these five tips. And when I have a checklist or kind of a system in place, it makes handling hard situations a lot easier. So especially in the second half of the year when writing IEPs gets real tough, come back to this process to help create goals that are still really high quality. So the acronym we're going to use today is SMART IEP goals. And this is not something new. This is not something I've invented. And I've seen people use the same acronym for writing IEP goals in very different ways. But what we're going to talk about today is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. That's how we're defining the S-M-A-R-T. And if you literally put a post-it that says SMART somewhere on your desk, and every time you write an IEP, each goal, you go in your head through each one. Is this specific? Is this measurable? Is this achievable? Is this relevant? And is it time-bound? Just going through that simple process will help you create really great IEP goals. So let's go through the S. There's a lot involved in specific. The first big one is making sure that you are identifying and defining a specific and observable goal. You need an action word, not should have. You need an action word. Some good IEP verbs are write, say, tell, answer, match. Those are action verbs. You can see them. You can count them. Look, I'm already getting to data. Some not so good IEP verbs are think, recognize, learn, know. If I read an IEP goal that says Johnny will learn five sight words, how the heck am I going to know when he learned the five sight words? How is he demonstrating that he learned the five sight words? Is he reading them, matching them, saying them, spelling them? There's a whole plethora of ideas. You want the verbs that you use in your IEP goals to be observable. You can hear them or you can see them. It needs to be an action because you are already thinking about how am I taking data on this? If you start thinking about the data process at the step of goal creation, it will make the data collection system that you need to create that much easier. It will pretty much actually create itself because you've already thought about the data piece. Other things to consider within the umbrella of it being specific. You need to think about the settings, the materials, and the people. These three things change everything when it comes to demonstrating mastery on a skill. The setting matters. Are you doing this skill in the special ed classroom or in the cafeteria, or in inclusion, or at the playground. Those are very, very different environments with different contingencies at play, with different people, with different distractors. It's almost a different skill set. Asking for help in the special ed classroom with adults you're familiar with is very different than asking for help in an inclusion gym class with a gym teacher you have maybe once a week and all kinds of novel peers in that group. 
Materials matter. If you're suddenly switching to way harder materials, obviously that skill is going to be way harder. The example I always think about when I say materials matter is in cars. If I were to go to get a rental car and they gave me a car with a manual stick shift, I would really think, damn, materials matter because I do not know how to drive that car with manual stick shift. I need automatic. I am not one of the cool people in the world that know how to drive a manual car. So materials matter for me. I can say, yep, I can drive. Oh, but I can't drive that type of car. The people matter. We can demonstrate skills more fluently around people that we feel comfortable around, around people that we're familiar with. That the same goes for our kids. Think about what type of people they need to demonstrate these skills with. It's not that we don't want to add in those novel people. That's a great goal to have, but we want to build up to there. Maybe that's part of the goal. Maybe that's a benchmark. Maybe that's the goal next year is demonstrating this skill with novel people. So consider what role the people that are delivering this goal and surrounding this whole context of the skill play. Then we want to think about the support that you're providing. So I read a lot of IEP goals that include different levels of support, which is totally okay because some of our kids might not yet be at the level of demonstrating a skill independently. So they might still need some prompts to be successful, which is great. Prompts help us be successful. There's nothing bad about prompts. There's some, we want to make sure to, you know, not over prompt, but In that IEP goal, we want to define what help and prompting means. It is one of my big pet peeves, and I'm going to mention several pet peeves in this episode because I have several IEP pet peeves, minimum, moderate, and maximum prompting when those phrases are included with no other definition. Student will demonstrate this skill with moderate prompting. I have no idea what moderate prompting means. Is that moving the child's hands a little bit to the right? Or is it like weekend at Bernie style where you are like physically doing the activity for him? I have no clue. You need to define exactly what type of prompting you're giving. Are you giving a verbal prompt, a gestural prompt, a partial physical, a visual prompt? How many? Within what time period? Yes, be that detailed because it's going to make creating the program and working on the skill that much easier when it's all planned. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now, on to the M, step two, measurable. This is where we want to identify the mastery criteria. What does mastery of this skill look like? So identify how many correct responses you want, whether that's in a frequency count, I want 10 correct responses out of how many, or percentage, I want 80% correct, over how many consecutive days or opportunities. So this isn't over the whole year. We're not like, hey, I want to get nine out of 10 the whole year. It's a specific period of time that you want to get that level of correct answers before you move on or consider it mastered. My pet peeve here is the 80%. There are many goals that 80% mastery is absolutely appropriate. But there are also many goals that 80% mastery is not appropriate. If I drove my car with 80% mastery, how's my life going right now? Not so great, right? Can you cross the street with 80% mastery? No. What is happening the other 20% of the times? You are getting hit by a car? Those are kind of silly examples, but let's bring it back to academics. If you identify letters with 80% mastery, how's your reading comprehension? How How are your grammar skills? How are your writing skills? You are never going to be able to grow and build on your literacy skills if your letter identification is staying at 80%. There are some skills that you will need 100% mastery of. And that's not meaning that Johnny can never have a bad day and get a few wrong. Of course, Johnny can have a few day, a bad day and get a few wrong because we're not looking for 100 days in a row of 100% mastery. I want to see something like, hey, when Johnny has 100% mastery of letter identification on three days in a row, then I know he's got it. When he's got 10 out of 10 or 20 out of 20 on you know, three consecutive times that we work on this, then I know that he's really got it mastered. So beware of the 80% mastery criteria. I think we like it because it keeps us safe and feeling like, oh man, we don't got to get all the way to the 100. That's too scary. But that's where we're going to see those big complex skills really grow and be successful. When we still have a, a crack in the foundation, we haven't built a foundation that's really strong. When we go to those more complex skills, it's harder to build upon that. So having those 100% mastery criteria for our foundational level skills is okay. Next, A, achievable. So we want the skill that we're working on and the mastery level that we just talked about to be close to the child's present levels. This is where our assessments become really important because we need to know what those present levels are. 
So if you've struggled with finding assessments that are great for your kids, if the standardized assessments that you have to give and your district don't really give you a lot of information, then create informal assessments yourself. Utilize worksheets or just flashcards and figure out where that kid is at. I love using the same worksheet a handful of times a year to see growth. Do the activity in September, again in January, then in March, and in June. That same activity over time, you want to see that, hey, man, in September, I only got two right out of 25. But in May, man, I got 12 right. So we're seeing that growth on that exact same activity. Informal assessments, I think we just don't rely on enough because we can pull a lot of important information there. We want to scaffold our success in those benchmarks. So that's where you're going to really start to build that skill gradually. So that first benchmark is going to be real close to present levels or maybe have more support and prompting included. And as we go through the benchmarks, we're going to go closer and closer to that independent skill or the least amount of prompting that that child needs. All right, step number four, letter R, relevant. We want to pick skills that are functional and important for our learners. Every time you write an IEP goal, and you're looking at your little post-it that I told you to write and put next to your desk a little visual prompt, because remember, we all need prompts, and you look at the letter R, I want you to ask yourself, how will attaining this goal make life better for this student? If you hesitate at all answering that question, this might not be a functional goal. You want every goal, academic and non-academic, to have a purpose. This goal is bringing this child closer to independence. It's giving this child more opportunities for inclusion, for friends, for social skills. It's bringing this learner the opportunity to learn more complex skills. You can't learn to read until you learn your letters. It's giving more opportunities. When you kind of can include the why here, that you're identifying the purpose and the why of this skill, it will become more reinforcing. If we embed the why into the concept and our learners can see that, hey, learning this will enable you to have all of these other cool opportunities, learning the skill itself will be innately reinforcing. Last point on making sure your goals are relevant. This is where you really, really want to include the family's opinions, mom, dad, or the guardian. Of course, we are always looping in parents as part of the team, but you want to go beyond just looping them in as part in the team. If you want to create goals that are truly relevant and truly functional, you need mom and dad's advice and input here. One of my favorite ways to do this is to send home a questionnaire or call home with a simple two-question little setup. I ask, what are five things you'd like to see your child do more often? And what are five things you'd like to see your child do less often? I love this setup because it's super easy. It's super non-intimidating It's not putting the onus on the parent to write goals. One, a parent of a client that I used to work with would get a questionnaire from the school saying, what are your suggestions for the language arts goal, the math goal, the science goal, the social studies goal? And she was like, I don't freaking know. I don't know what they're working on in science. Like 
she felt very put on the spot to have to give her opinion on each academic area. But the idea of having five things you want to do more often, five things you want to do less often, parents can answer those questions off the top of their head. I mean, me, myself, I can think for both of my kids, five things I'd like to see them do more often and less often. So it will create that team approach and help you identify skills that are functional and important for the parents without having to do something that's confusing or takes a lot of time on either end. Last step is T, time bound. Our IEP goals go for a year, so of course we are bound by that annual IEP review date. But consider the benchmarks and where the dates are for those benchmarks and how much progress you want to see in that goal by each benchmark. You might want to get more details and add more kind of timelines within those progress reporter benchmark dates. Consider when summer break or winter breaks fall because sometimes that derails our progress a little bit and we have to go back and review or rewind a little bit to make sure that we're staying on pace for hitting mastery in these goals. So that's it. We went through all five. Our goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. If you can hit all five of these things with every goal that you write, you are going to have more family buy-in, you are going to have an easier time collecting data, you're going to have a better time running this program and working on this goal in your classroom, which means you'll have an easier time teaching staff how to do it as well, and you will be teaching goals that have a real impact on that learner's life. And that's the goal all of us have in common. I'm just going to go ahead and make that assumption that all of us, educators, paraprofessionals, clinicians, parents, our common goal is helping our students progress and learn. And when you start with great IEP goals, you can make that goal a lot more achievable. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world teachers and parents and clinicians and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district.
Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper Podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.